are listening to Masks Off with host and life coach Kim Gross. My goal is to help people to go from people pleasing and perfectionism to powerful. I help you to uncover these patterns, own your shit, and remove these masks to live a more empowered life using my five step power pathway that takes you from people pleaser and perfectionist to powerful. Let's drop into this week's episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of Masks Off. I'm Kim Gross and I have Megan Duncan with me. And this is a first on Masks Off, almost three years in the making. This is the first time that I have a part two back-to-back. We had such a great conversation in the last episode that we decided immediately we needed to do a part two. And so this is a first. As always, I'm going to start with a quote and then I'm going to let Megan introduce herself and then we will jump right into the conversation. So the quote is by Rebecca Ains and she says, so often children are punished for being human. Children are not allowed to have grumpy moods, bad days, disrespectful tones, or bad attitudes. Yet, us adults have them all the time. None of us are perfect. We must stop holding our children to a higher standard of perfection than we can attain ourselves. That's That's a lot. So Megan, thank you so much for coming back for part two. I'm so glad to have you here again. Tell us a little bit about yourself for someone who might just be picking up this episode first. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Megan Duncan. I'm the owner of Connected Kids Thrive. Um, I have an online parenting community and where I just serve parents in gaining the tools that they need and want to parent and then way in the way that they need and want to parent. We are seeing a big shift from punitive parenting and parents are, they're all in. They don't want to be doing that anymore, that force and fear and shame and blame, blame and pain, but they're worried about shifting into permissiveness. Their kids walking all over them, not listening. And so the middle ground is tools. And so that's what I do. That's where I come in. Um, I have a background in speech therapy. I did in-home early intervention, really helping parents and children zero to three learn how to connect, communicate, and cooperate. And so um, that was a beautiful time in my life. I've had a preschool in my home. Amazing. Um, That was a really powerful time in helping me really strive to um, listen to kids in a different way and encourage them and find ways where they could hear each other, cooperate with each other, and want to do that with me too. And me not just be in this place of control with them, but Mm. us together as a team. Um, And then I'm a foster mom. And so lots of um, experiences with kiddos. And I've been serving families for over 16 years in a professional capacity. So it's a little bit about me. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. Such an array of experience from the preschool to being a foster parent. And I love that you're working and targeting 
um, the kids that are from zero to six. I mean, obviously you're working with the parents to help the kids that are from mm -hmm. zero to six, which is just such a, those are the most formative years, right? Thank you. Yes. Um, zero to six is my sweet spot. I really want to give parents the tools they need to build a solid foundation of trust. And there are three C's, communication, cooperation, and um, connection before academic pressures come down. And academic pressures are earlier and earlier, even in the preschool oh. year. And when those come in and there's not a solid foundation, things go into chaos and stress. And it's just, it can be a really sad state of affairs. But if we can get that those foundations built, it's not so bad, not so bad at all. It's actually fun and harmonious and it can be wonderful. Parenting can be beautiful and wonderful. Oh, I love that you're saying that. And I think it's so important that we're having this conversation. And that's why I'm so glad we're doing a part two, because honestly, when my kids were little before I had any conscious parenting knowledge whatsoever, like, all right, I'm going to swear right now, but like parenting stressed me the fuck out. Like I did not like being a mom at all because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. There's no freaking handbook on how to parent. And I was just really projecting all of my own shit onto my kids without knowing it. I was doing it unconsciously. And then going back to the quote, right? Let's go back to the quote and then we can take that apart. And then we'll start talking about, you know, repairing and ownership. Cause that's what I'm saying right now is owning. I'm owning the fact that when they were little, I didn't know what I was doing and I had to do something differently because I wanted it to be beautiful. Like you just said, I wanted to have that harmonious relationship with my kids. And I couldn't, I felt mm -hmm. so awful. I felt so shamed when they were little. I didn't know. That's why I love that you're helping parents when their kids are, I mean, it, it's, first of all, let me just say this. You can repair at any point in time, right? It doesn't have, but the fact that you're helping at that early age is beautiful. Mm -hmm. But if you're a mom or you're a dad and you're listening to this right now and you have older kids, I want you to know it's not too late, yes. right? It's never too late to do the repair. It's never too late to shift out of the way you used to parent into how you can, how you can parent. Exactly. My mom um, repaired with me when I was 19. Actually, no, after I had children, she finally came back and said, mm -hmm you know, I really did some things wrong. And my dad and I have no relationship. He can't do it. Yeah. He can't, he cannot reflect and admit he did anything wrong. Mm. And it's a bummer. It's a real bummer. You know what? Okay. So let's talk about that for a minute, because that's a really interesting point. So there is this place where parents can be in this denial and maybe if they're in this place, they might not be listening to this podcast because masks off is about taking ownership and taking off your mask. And when you're in that place where you just described your dad, there's such denial, right? There's so much denial because this is just my personal opinion. I've, I felt it with my mom. My mom couldn't do it either because that would mean, well, in her mind, she thought she would in her mind, if she had to own or admit 
that she parented in a way that was unconscious and had this impact on me, that was too hard for her to accept and allow in because then she would have to look in the mirror and see mm-hmm. that she wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. Do you think yeah. that's the case with your dad? And do you think that is why parents aren't willing mm-hmm. to take ownership and to do the work to have this paradigm sh- paradigm shift? Do you think it is denial or do you think it's other things as well? Um, for, m- for me and my situation, we grew up in a cult, a religious cult. Mm-hmm. So yep the way he could take the Bible and justify everything he did. And so there was never any accountability needed and he can still do that. And that's fine. That's where he chooses to stay. Um, and it, and I think his, his childhood was so traumatic that if he were to dig into his stuff, he would have to look at that. And I think it'd be too hard and I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all for being where he is and needs to stay and be, and I'm happy to listen when he's ready. And that may never come. And it may come sooner rather than later. I don't know. Um, but it's a tricky place to be. Yeah, sure. I agree. And, and I think you did touch upon something that if he were to, he or any other parent out there, now I'm talking to everyone, if mm-hmm. they were to lift the lid off the Petri dish of the shame mm-hmm. that's underneath, it would be too difficult to bear that it would be the pain to go in and say to look at why they are where they are would be way too painful and I think that is what keeps parents stuck but it's also what keeps that generational cycle going someone has to stop and break the cycle And this feeds right into that quote. We expect our children to be able to reflect, repair, do better next time. All these things that we as adults simply won't or cannot do yet, yet. Yeah. And so it's just another way that we punish our children for doing things that we do and talk about hypocrisy to the highest level. (laughs) I know. And so I like really, I know despise is a strong word, but I really do despise hypocrisy. And so that's really what lifted the veil for me with my kids. Besides the fact I knew I didn't have that harmonious connection that you spoke about. You know, I wanted that. I wanted to be deeply connected with my kids, but I also couldn't stand being a hypocrite. So I had to like shine the light on myself. I had to look at my stuff, my patterns so that I could take ownership. Mm -hmm. And our kids are such great little reflectors of where we need to do our work. Like the minute we feel triggered and something I always stress to my community and to anyone I can talk to is wherever we feel triggered, just become curious. Mm -hmm. Curiosity helps us stay out of judgment and shame you know? And so, um, yeah, our children are just little reflectors shining, whether they're being whiny or whatever they're doing. If we're feeling like, Oh my God, you've got to stop. That's a moment to be like, Whoa, thank you. All right. Let, let me look in the mirror. Where is this coming from? 
you know, how was I treated as a child when I did this very thing? How was my parents treated as a child when they did this very thing? And now I get to change the cycle. I get to break it and do something different. Um, yeah. yeah. I love that. And that is so important. And I think that I'll just underscore what you just said, because it was great. Is that trigger? Maybe we can, um, in a minute, maybe we can even describe and define a trigger a little bit more in terms of someone who might be listening and saying, well, what does that really mean that Mm -hmm. I'm triggered? What does that mean? What does that look like? Right. So, so maybe let's start there. How would you describe when you're working with parents and they, or you yourself have been triggered? What does that really mean and look like? Cause that, that word is thrown around a lot. Like I know what it means, but let's see if we can dive into that a little bit. Well, okay. So yet our last episode, what we talked about was the parenting being two-sided, right? We have the front side being us and how we're reparenting ourselves and just how we're growing. And then, you know, the palm side, the back side being the tools that we're gaining to guide our children in the way that we're proud of, right? These are the things we're passing on. This is the stuff that was passed on to us. And so when I hear the word triggered, so I'm still working on this. Um, I'm still working on this. So that would be a really hard thing for me to describe, but as a parenting coach and working with kids directly, when I see a or when a parent tells me, oh my God, my kid's whining and I just can't handle it. I know let's replace the behavior. Let's get curious. Why is your child doing this? What's the function? And then just model. I mean, a strategy is model what you want your kids to say and how to say it. They don't know. Just give them, use the tool and give it to them. So if your kid was like, I want water, I want water, just say water, please. Mm. And they're like, oh, all right, that's how to do it. And it can be so simple. And that's what we don't know. That's what our parents didn't give to us. Yeah, it was more like if you if you said something in that way, they just shamed you. What are you talking like that for? You know, using exactly. that punitive language. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. And then like for me, Um, I guess I can maybe say triggered in a couple of ways, which is one, it can be that I get upset, like activated, but also another way that I have gotten triggered over the years is by getting anxious, nervous, right? So if I'm fearing that something's going to end badly for my kids, like I'm into the future and Oh, you know, if my daughter, let's just say, for example, if my daughter doesn't get this 18 page paper done, she's going to fail that class and she's going to fail the semester and she's going to fail college. And then she's going to drop out, you know, like that's where anxious, nervous goes to. And I'm still triggered inside. So like when I start to feel a sense of, I guess, not being centered is an opportunity for me to go inward And recognize, okay, this is a pattern. Like you said a few minutes ago, where did this come from? Where did that anxious, nervous come from that I have to go from point A to point B in like zero to 60, right? Like total catastrophizing. I don't know that for sure. And I don't know that it's the worst thing for her if she doesn't do the paper and fails, right? Do you want to say something to that? 
Always. Yes. So, (laughs) you know, we have this idea of what our kids should be and with their progress in life, we wear that as success for us Yes, in a way that makes sense, but in a way they get to be who they are. And honestly, if your child is at the college level and why are you worrying about an 18 page paper? That is not your role. This is, if she's at the college level and isn't able to be equipped with this, then something broke a long time ago. Yeah. And that's okay. If we're here, we're here and we can just now back off. We can offer support. Like what, is there a way I can help you? But we don't need to own their success in any way. It's not our responsibility in one way or another. Totally. Okay. So totally. So this is perfect. So this is looping back to what we've been saying about not taking things personally, number one, right? So, so let's just go along that line of thinking. Let's say, you know, that my daughter didn't do her paper and she did fail and she did drop out of college is the fear that's under, that I have, that's underpinning it of now I have to go and tell people and none of this is happening, by the way, she, you know, she's not, she's almost done right with college, but would the fear be that I have to now tell people that my daughter dropped out of college, right? And then how does that look on me? So then that's how I can be triggered. And then that's how I can project shame and that punitive type of parenting of yelling at her, shaming her, did you do this? Do micromanaging and everything else, right? Yes. Which is completely the wrong way of doing it. Now the, I'm catching myself and I'm learning because I do the work, but back before when I didn't know any differently, when they were like in middle school, I completely did that. So this is true. Like this is so talk about owning, right? I have to own that. That's my shit. And furthermore, to like go in and investigate what's underneath that. Why? Like there's a pattern now. Why? And then I go in and, and I do my process of feeling my feelings, bringing up the pain. Where did that come from? My, from my childhood. And then as you and I were talking about that repair piece. So I repair all the time with my kids. And let's say if I did go into that punitive place of, you know, what is wrong with you? Why haven't you, you know, got worked on your paper yet? You should have started working on that like weeks ago. Now you're waiting to the very last minute. Like, are you, you know, what is wrong with you kind of thing, right? Let's say I did do that, but a repair could sound like something like what, what could a repair if I were to go back and do it differently with her? So I love that you're bringing up repair because honestly, when we look at the parent-child relationship, the most important thing is repair. And luckily our kids give us lots of opportunities to mess up so we can repair. It's great. Perfect. That's where we turn those oopsies into opportunities because that's what our kids need. If we were perfect, they would learn nothing. Mm. They learn best from little mistakes with lots of grace. Yeah. So, um, We only really, so when we think of attunement and attachment, we really only need to get this parenting gig right 30% of the time. We need to like get it spot on 30% of the time. And then 70% of the time, just 
Hey, I messed up. Can I retry that? Modeling that behavior. That goes back to that quote, right? We, yes. one of the, that's why oopsies into opportunities. We mess up, model the behavior that we want to redo and repair. And we want our kids to repair, but they don't have a model. So if I had shamed my daughter and, um, or if I'm working with you and you had shamed your daughter and we're in a coaching, you know, conversation, um, just saying, you know, the next day, if you're hot, not the time to repair, you're not in a space. She's not in a space. Wait till the environment is calm. And then just say, Hey, yesterday I blew up about this paper that you're, I wore that. I wore that responsibility also. And that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is just to be present with you. Things that you want to share with me, share your concerns, your worries. Are you worried about failing? Oh, I hear you. That's hard. You know, and just being present with her versus calling the principal and, (laughs) you know, calling and doing this lawnmower parenting that we have done that had got your child to this place instead of when you were, you know, seven and then 11 and saying, oh, you didn't get that paper done. Bummer. What are you going to do about it? I'm here. I'm here to hear you. Yeah. That's my place, you know, not rescuing them there, but giving the tools to equip themselves. Every time we rescue Every time we do four, we are, um, the more we do, the more we say, the less our children can do and think and do well for themselves. So, um, again, no, just like you said, there is never too late to repair. It could be years, years ago, yesterday, um, 20 years ago. It doesn't, it's okay. Your kids, your kids remember their body, their bodies remember Um, They remember what it felt like when you shamed them, when you hit them, whatever happened, you can still come back, bring it back and let it go. Mm. Yeah. First of all, that was beautiful, by the way. And that is how I do approach it with either of my kids. When I do mess up in that way, you know, I'll come back around and I, and I want to underscore again, that it's really important to wait until you're in a space when you have come back to center. So like for me with my power pathway process that I use, like the W and the E is really going into my body and Mm. feeling the emotions. Like I really, they say it takes like 90 seconds for an emotion to move through your body. So like, I'll get in there and it's like a squeeze and like really just kind of work with it and breathe with it so that it brings me from that 10 that I'm at when I'm triggered, whether it's angry or fear or whatever. And it just brings me back down. So that's my work. That's again, going back to the ownership. That's the part I have to take. And then mm-hmm. once that I have settled down, then it's an opportunity and I'll come back and say, Hey, you know, can we have a conversation? I realized where I was overstepping. I was yeah. stepping into your lane and I'm sorry. And, you know, and then I'm, and not only just say, I'm sorry, but also make the commitment to myself and to my kids to keep trying to do better. And, and go sit ahead. on your butt, right? We got to yeah. sit on our butts. Have you heard that before? We can never. I haven't sit- heard that. What does that mean? So I'm sorry that you didn't get your paper done, but if you would have just started earlier, 
we we completely negated the whole apolo apology and this is why oh, we don't yeah. force children to say sorry when they're little we just model yes. it because we take what it really is out of it out of the equation never force a child to say sorry oh my it god i know what it is um but <laughs> anyways yeah sitting on our butts um don't negate it if you do need to come back with a lesson fine come back later yeah there's always later <laughs> That's beautiful, Megan. And that's so important because I don't do that. It's just like, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? And I will call myself out. I was in anxious nerve, like now, especially in their teenager, teenage and young adult years, they understand that languaging. So if I said to them, I was just in anxious, nervous, and they know that, that that's how mom reacts at times. And then I, I just own it and call myself out or they call me out. And I, I love it. I love being called out because it gives to me, it's an opportunity that I get to grow and I'm here to have my soul evolve and grow as much as I possibly can. And if I'm burying my head in the sand and yep. saying, who are you to tell me? Cause this is what I used to hear. Who are you to tell me that? Like, how dare you say that to me? I'm your mother. I'm your father. Who, who do you think you are? Like that comes out of parents' mouths probably way too much. And that just does nothing but shame that child. Mm -hmm. When you just spoke of um, owning, you know, owning your shit and correcting yourself, what, when you do this work, and it starts to work, right? When you do this parenting stuff and it starts to work, you come up with ways to team with your child. And then your spouse and other adults are like, whoa, what is this? And they can see it too, this beautiful cooperative relationship. It's not power over, it's power with. Yeah. And I love it when my daughter corrects me. I love it when my husband corrects me because yeah. it tells me they're listening and how can I expect, because I correct him too, and I correct her, right? Respectful, always respectfully. And if not, repair. I don't get it right all the time. Of course not. Of course not. But we have this little hand signal that it's a four. So if you think of our tone here and kind of our energy as a one to 10, four is just slightly below this, it's, you know, mm. below normal. So it's a little more intentional. And if I'm a little like, why can't you get your lunch made? Cause my kid was nine. So our, you know, yeah. our issues are a little bit different than writing the 12 page paper in college. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, why didn't you get your lunch made? You know, um, not all the time, but I tell my daughter, if you feel that I am disrespecting you, if you feel that I'm being unkind and unfair, call me out, please. Um, and just, you know, our signal we've come up with this It's a strategy, a strategy I, sh I share. So take it everybody. Yeah. It's just a a silent cue, a four over your heart. Um, because if she were to say, mommy, you're not respecting me. I it's, and we do this to our kids, right? They're in this state and we layer it on. They cannot hear us. So if I'm in this state and my daughter layers, layers it on, I don't go to this cooperative place, but if we can just say less and do less, just a four, mm -hmm. it pulls us back like, Oh, check. Thank you. Um, it's just, and this is something I want her to practice with her eventual spouse. If I yell at her and mm -hmm. make her listen to that and take it, I am training her for how people who love her treat her, right? Mm -hmm. 
So um, say that again, Megan, because that is so important. Like that is so important. Yes. We are training our kids how they should be treated. So how we treat our kids is the way we are helping them understand how they should be treated by everybody. So they don't just come out from under our controlling household into this, into being empowered. They've got, they've got to feel empowered. They've got to be able to say, Hey, please don't treat me that way with us. They've got to be able to tell us no respectfully. And we have to train them and teach them how to do that. The best way we can do that is modeling it. Hello. Right. Back to the quote, modeling how to say no and how to just be kind and cooperative. And again, if we, our children take, I don't even know what I said exactly, but yeah, training our children to believe and receive exactly what we do to them. And they're going to expect others to do that to them. They're going to see that as normal. That is so important. It really is because we want, like my kids are 20 and 23. So they're getting closer to the point of having committed relationships or serious relationships, or even their friend groups. And I can promise you that when you get there, you're going to want your children to have boyfriends, girlfriends, significant others that treat them well and talk to them with kindness and respect. And again, not perfectly because none of us are perfect, but then at least to have the communication skills, like you said, and I love that, that you do with your daughter, because putting the four over the heart, even putting it on your heart is almost like just the touching of your heart. Like I'm doing it right now for those who are listening. And it just feels right away. Like I just want to sink into that. Like calms me immediately. Mm -hmm. Now imagine that I'm doing that, like with someone who's important in my life. And we're just, I just put my hand over my heart like that with a four and they Mm -hmm. know what that means. Like, no, we need to bring that down. Mm -hmm. We need yeah, to my husband and I, my husband and I do this with each other too. When we're getting yeah. heated, if we can't maintain out of four, one of us taps out for a while. You know, yeah. I'm not able to be respectful right now to you or myself. I'm going to go take a break, get some water, whatever. We'll come back to this. Yeah. Oh, and then come back and repair. So we wanted to have a conversation, a part two about ownership and repair. And we hit it. We nailed it. We talked about both. We, we just went the whole gamut of talking about both. So, and I love the visual that you're giving, you know, the audience visual slash audio with the hand over the heart. Do you have any other, um, takeaway for this episode, any other parting words on ownership and repair? Mm -hmm. Just, you know, turn your oopsies into opportunities. Every time you make a mistake, it's okay. Just, you know, you know, we should be doing as parents squats all day, getting on our kids level and looking them in the eyes. Can you imagine looking up Mm. at your parents? Just that dynamic of power and just that would be the best type of repair when you can meet eye to eye and be like, Mm. I am so sorry. I did this thing. I was wrong. Mm. I jumped the gun. I apologize. Can you forgive me? And if they say Mm. no, okay, maybe you can soon. And I don't expect anything and I'm working on it. Okay. And I'll try better. I promise. And just 
give these, okay, back to the quote, model every single behavior for our kiddos that we expect them to show and wear and have and own, right? We can expect anything from our children that we're not actively modeling all the time, whether it be manners, pro-social behaviors, academic stuff, curiosity. I mean, if we view math as awful, our kids are going to wear that. I mean, everything. So just, and I think curiosity is our best friend that helps us turn oopsies into opportunities, but it also keeps us out of shame. Um, when we can wonder, why did we do something when we can wonder and be curious, why did they do something just be curious instead of judgy? Um, I always say, if you go into shame, okay, it's real. It's valid. Stay there for like three seconds and then come out and choose to feel inspired and curious instead. So I don't know if that was one sentence more, but no, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I just. I'll just add in to just sit on top of that is to also have, and we talked about this beforehand, having grace and Mm. compassion for yourself, grace and compassion for yourself as a parent and for your kids. I think you were saying that, but I just want to kind of like underscore that. And just remember our kids forgive us so dang quick and we can't use that against them by choosing not to grow, but we can use that as a model to forgive ourselves. We can yeah. just forgive ourselves. We messed up. We're human. We're perfectly imperfect. And um, grace with ourselves and grace with our kiddos. Yeah, just like you said. Oh my goodness. Oh, that was so good. Thank you for being on a second time. Yeah. Thanks was, for having me. It was a blast. You're welcome. It was really, it's really such an important topic. I just... So passionate about parenting and just changing that paradigm of the way kids used to, you know, the way parents used to parent and shifting out of that. Can I add one last thing? Yeah, please. So my mom has shared multiple times that she would go to bed when we were growing up every night and she would be from screaming and yelling all day. She'd be so sad and so upset with herself. And she would just pray that tomorrow would go differently. Mm. And it just went the same. And she would do it the next night. And it just went the same. And the next night, and she just went the same. Now, she wasn't in an environment where she could freely and be supported in accessing the tools, the, you know, the tools to change, the tools to guide kiddos in effective ways. But everyone here is. Now mm-hmm. tools are everywhere at a Google yeah. search. And the difference, even though the tools are always there, the difference is mentorship. We don't, we don't go and we don't become a, we don't become skilled at really anything too much, whether we do equine stuff or golf or whatever sewing, you know, whatever skill we want to get better at, we get a mentor, you know, um, which gets us there, gets us there quicker. Now we could do all the Googling we wanted and try it and error, and that's fine. But if you really want to get good and get, you know, getting a mentor to hold your hand, help you know what tools you're using and why they're not working and try these instead. Oh, try it this way. You get where you want to go to your goals, no matter what your goals are much faster mm-hmm. than just trying it on your own over and over. So I just wanted to end and I have forgiven her completely. She's in the other room actually. And um, she did the best she could. Absolutely. Mm. We're all doing the best we can. And 
what else? Be yeah. curious. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love that you added that piece in. So where can people find you then? Speaking of. Yeah. Uh, again, Megan Duncan is my name and Connected Kids Thrive is my business. And um, on Facebook, my community of parents really practicing respectful, conscious parenting, using these tools. That's a great community. And that's Connected Kids Thrive community. And that's, and that's on Facebook and that's a free community, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Join us and come learn with us. And um, we're all about taking these tools into the kitchen and using the mm. kitchen as this tool to build these foundational behaviors. It's beautiful. Mm. <laughs> Sounds awesome and amazing. And I will definitely put that in the show notes as well. And don't forget to go back and listen to part one, where Meg and I started the conversation about parenting and then picked up here today. So thank you again for coming back on a second time. I loved it. Yeah. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Masks Off, and I will see you next week. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to take the next step to overcoming your people-pleasing and perfectionistic tendencies, reach out to me at kimgrosscoaching.com for a free discovery call. Also, if you liked what you heard today, I would love it if you subscribed or left a review. And remember, remove your masks and create the life that you desire.